The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Make It Pine. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Get woke. Folks, as you know, we've been talking about reparations week of action. And the organization that's really helping to make that possible and pushing it uh, is an organization that has come into this movement in a very, very strong way along with a legacy organization in this reparations movement. As you know, H.R. 40 is at a place right now where we're actually pretty close to having the votes needed for passage. This week of action, the week of November 8th, has been trying to get get us over that finish line. And so we're happy to be joined by two people very, very special to this movement and really we're doing a lot of hard work on the ground. I have even renamed them and their names are popular and they have stuck. These will be their names from now on. Their given names, first of all, we have from that legacy organization I mentioned, and COBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks Reparations in America, we have with us Kenneth Henry, the chair of the COBRA Legislative Commission and Committee. She is counting the votes, getting the votes, doing the whip count. She is the reparations. Uh, uh, Clyburn, James Clyburn, may be the House Majority Whip, but Kenneth Henry is the reparations Majority Whip, the H.R. 40 Majority Whip. So we welcome Kenneth Henry, also known as Reparations Rihanna. The next guest is Reparations Beyonce. She's part of an organization we mentioned that has helped to take this uh, to an international space. Marcus Garvey went to the League of Nations. Malcolm X went to Africa and began to draw up a petition to the United Nations after meeting with Dr. King in 1965 when he left Selma to visit him in Birmingham and he was cut down less than two weeks later. It is important that our struggle become international. So I was very happy to find an international human rights organization who want to get involved in HR 40, that organization being Human Rights Watch and its reparations coordinator is Jason Heath, also known as Reparations Beyonce. So we have Reparations Beyonce and Reparations Rihanna here with us. They are stars. They are superstars. I appreciate them. This could not, this little red wagon could not go without these two uh, giant African women. Welcome to you both to make it plain. How are you? Thank you so much. Doing good. Thank you for the, for the space. 
have have you have you have you all gotten your family members and loved ones to start calling you reparations beyond saying reparations Rihanna, yet? Absolutely not. <laughs> do you want me to do you want me to help with that? You've helped you've no, helped you. enough, Reverend Mark. You've helped enough. I I can help. I, I can help because that's important. So folks, this is a week of act. Let me start with you, um, Dreesen. How did this idea of a week of action come about and why is it important now and the timing involved in this? Why is this timing so important? Right. So, I mean, we've been pushing and plugging along on H.R. 40 um, <clears throat> for for years, for decades um, in the in the leadership of Encobra and others uh, to get us here and to transcend us past this point. Um, but we just had a subcommittee, a historic subcommittee vote in April, and we are seven months out from that time frame uh, to where we have not seen a House floor vote, uh, which means that the House is stalling on progress towards realizing reparations. And uh, that that urgency um, is, you know, is being pushed and ignited by the advocacy groups that are steadily moving this bill forward. So a week of action was necessary to garner the support necessary to get the remaining holdouts on board and to really pressure House leadership uh, to to know that this is a priority issue in Black America. Uh, this continues to be a priority issue and a demand that came out of even the 2020 um, summer protests and, and fall protests which the Congress and the administration seem so attentive and a keen, uh, um, you know, keen to uh, respond to. Uh, and one of those demands were reparations now. And so we're trying to realize that through the establishment of H.R. 40, again, targeting these remaining holdouts. There's 16 Democrats who have not either co-sponsored or signaled yes commitments when the bill comes to the House floor. We also have House leadership who have made verbal public commitments to supporting this bill and bringing it to the floor. They've also made behind closed doors commitments to do that. And so, um, you know, we're tired. We're tired of the stalling. Um, we're tired of the excuses, the moving of the of the uh, goalposts. Um, it's it's time to do it now, and we're we're running out of time with the political terrain now turning towards midterms. Let's talk about that for a minute in terms of running out of time. The challenge, too, is to try to get this done really before, if not before the end of the month, before the end of the year, because of the runway shortening before the midterms. Right, Dreesen? Right, exactly. And so that's November 18th is our first deadline, right? The first, the last day of votes before Thanksgiving recess. Um, the last day of votes before this first half of the 117th congressional session is December 10th. So that's our absolutely last deadline uh, for for this bill to get a vote and ultimately to, to move towards standing up this commission. It's not just, it's a win to get a vote on the House floor, but we also need to stand up this commission and let it do its work. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Kenneth Henry, um, you've been gathering these votes, lobbying these members of Congress um, um, we now have greater numbers than we've ever had for H.R. 40 in its history. Talk to us about those numbers and give us your whip count of, in terms of where those numbers are right now, please. Sure. 
Um, just to give you um, and your audience a bit of background information, um, the highest number of co-sponsors on HR 40 for years has been 45 co-sponsors. And in the 116th session last year, we actually ended that session with 173 co-sponsors. Currently, we have 194 co-sponsors, but we also have 14 confirmed voice votes, which means when we get this bill to the floor for debates and a vote, these 14 elected officials have actually committed to rendering a yes vote when their name is called. So in total, we have 208 committed supporters of H.R. 40, plus the bill sponsor. We actually have 209 um, co-sponsors. This is unprecedented, and many, many bills have passed through the entire process and become law with a lot less than 209 um, co-sponsors. What we're hearing from House leadership is they're not willing to move forward unless we, the people, bring them 218 um, co-sponsors. To be honest, you talk about the whip. Um, the whip's job actually is to go out and to shore up those votes. And um, our slogan is kind of nine to go. Well, with nine additional um, elected officials that we need to, to shore up, the whip, James Clyburn, should be stepping in, and he should be the one walking around to those 16 holdouts that Ms. Heath just spoke of to get at least nine of them to come on board as supporters for H.R. 40. And, and that has been a problem because um, as Ms. Heath said about the unwillingness of House leadership to um, support getting this bill to the floor, um, the WIB's job is to certify that we have the votes we need in order to, to move to the floor and to have the uh, debates that are necessary. Um, and again, it's not just getting this um, HR 40 to the floor for votes and to pass it out of the House, it is far past the time when we should have stood up a commission, and the commission should actually be coming back with crafted remedies for um, um, the injuries that our people have endured for the past 500 years so that we can begin the process of repair. So just to be clear, I want people to have those numbers. 194 co-sponsors on the record, correct? 194 co-sponsors on the record. And, and just uh, for uh, comparison's sake, um, I actually looked up uh, the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act. That had 199 uh, co-sponsors. So it, it, it's basically a difference of five co-sponsors, yet House leadership is actually sending us repeated messages that we have to bring them 218 co-sponsors. So again, to answer your question, on the books, we have 194 co-sponsors. And, and how, uh, tell me again, how many committed yes votes? 14. Okay, so um, that takes us to 208, correct? 
with the bill sponsor, that would be 209. Uh, that would be 209. And we need 218 to pass? Per House leadership, yes. More MIP after this message. So is, is House leadership saying to you, Reparations Riata, that they will only take um, 218 as co-sponsors? Will they not take the combination of co-sponsors plus committed yeses? Have they articulated that? Um, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, when we first started getting committed voice votes, no one said it would be a problem. And in the past couple of weeks, what we're hearing um, allegedly from House leadership is that um, those voice votes are a problem. And we are actually being told that what we need to do is circle back and um, get those 14 committed voice votes to come on as co-sponsors. We're also being told that there is a an uneasiness about uh, voice votes in that um, the whip has some major concerns that they're not going to stand up and be counted as voice votes. So again, what we're hearing is that we have to go back and actually um, get confirmed um, support from those 14 voice votes and flip them and have them become um, co-sponsors. Yet, there have been bills brought to the floor, as you just noted. George Floyd, 199 co-sponsors. I'd be curious, uh, uh, just to give you more homework, Kenneth, hmm? how many co-sponsors um, other pieces of recent legislation have had for the people, John Lewis, and Bill Back better for that. John matter. Lewis had, um, I, can, I can give that to you because I knew you were going to give me homework. John Lewis has... 223 co-sponsors. Okay, okay. Um, but, I mean, I think we have to, to look at it that way. Also, just before I come back to you, Dreesen, there's still precedent for taking a vote for something that's right, even when it goes down. The first vote for D.C. statehood was in 1993, and it went down by 65 votes. No state has been admitted into the union on a House vote on the first time, I don't think. So, I mean, there are votes that have to take place, um, even if necessary for symbolic reasons to build a movement. Why won't they take a vote um, for H.R. 40, even, God forbid, it went down, uh, to go down with less than a dozen votes would still be I think monumental. What do you think, Dries? Yeah, I think that would be monumental. But the the thing is, when they bring HR 40 to the floor, it's going to pass. Um, and if you have the full support behind House leadership to move it, to whip the votes in favor of the bill passing, it will pass. Um, these excuses that the voice votes, committed voice votes that, you know, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee has been our champion. She's been going down when the House is voting on other bills. She's been going to her members saying, will you support H.R. 40? I need your commitments. Um, that's the level of commitment that is happening here. Um, when we bring those voice votes to House leadership, um, you know, we actually had a, a, a congressional office say to us, well, you know, I don't really believe that uh, people are going to go back on their voice votes. That's basically happened in, in 
10 times, less than 10 times in, in the 10 years that I've been on the Hill with, you know, hundreds of bills. So again, these are excuses. Um, These are, you know, walking back of, of promises that they used on our backs to get black votes. Um, And it, it, there's no reason to advance this bill forward. It's not controversial yeah. um, at all. Uh, more MIP after this message. But yet, for example, Steny Hoyer thinks it is. Uh, talk our audience through that scenario where he's saying that he's afraid it would make moderate, this issue would make moderate Democrats vulnerable before the midterms, he wants, he has publicly stated um, that Biden should do about executive order. I think the Biden administration is is saying that they won't do about executive order until they get a, a, a positive vote from the House. It's kind of like that, that couple that um, a minister wants counsel. The wife wouldn't cook dinner because the husband wouldn't come home early. And the husband wouldn't come home early because the wife wouldn't cook dinner. I mean, that that's what that sounds like. But talk our audience through that and how they're also, you know, the, the arguments Steny Hoyer is making and, and the game the White House is playing. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to hang it on uh, leader Hoyer uh, because he has been one of the more supportive uh, <coughs> um, members of House leadership throughout this process. It has an open door to advocates working on this bill. Um, I do, however, think that that is the posture of the majority whip, um, and that uh, in the same ways that um, the JPA uh, failing, um, you know, was blamed on advocates and defund the police messaging uh, in terms of swaying the moderates one way or another, which again, there's no analysis on that part piece that <laughs> defunding the police even impacted these votes. Um, but on, on, an, on another piece that that is being used, that kind of um, assumed uh uh, stance is being used to justify not moving HR 40 forward, despite all of the local reparations measures that are being established, despite institutional reckonings happening from the media to banks to other um, institutions, um, despite states passing resolutions urging the Congress to pass HR 40 and stand up this HR 40 reparations commission. So it, there have been no real good excuses, honestly, put on the table to, uh, you know, not move this bill forward. Um, and again, this is a relationship being played and also at one point by the leader, uh, leader Hoyer being kicked to the White House as here, here, we, we will, you know, take the successful vote out of the judicial, out of the judiciary committee. Um, but you all also promised to study reparations for the legacy of slavery. And so this could be an executive order, um, which, again, we've seen Biden and his press secretary go on record supporting this. Biden came to, you know, what mo- many black communities see as ground zero, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to say that he committed to repair, he committed to justice. And, and yet we have not seen the HR 40 commission be stood up. 
So um, a lot of posturing um, and a, a lot of excuses that in the past when, you know, this, the Commission for Wartime Relocation and Internment was set up uh, to investigate the abusive executive order that wrongfully uh, forced Japanese Americans and others out of their homes and relocated them uh, and incarcerated them wrongfully. Um, there, there weren't these kind of debates around the humanity of the people in question and whether or not that kind of commission was necessary in order to provide some sort of comprehensive repair. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth, what do we know about the holdouts there? I think the number we said is 16. Are there nine in that group of 16 that you think we can kind of move along? Is there a shot? And, and any particular characteristics they have that would make them a shot? Um, interesting that you should ask that. Uh, of the 16 holdouts, amazingly, one of the 16 holdouts is not running for re-election next year because he is going to set his sights on becoming the senator for the state of Pennsylvania. So if you are trying to become the senator for the entire state of Pennsylvania, then you have the same responsibility to all of your all constituents. And if you're not willing to support H.R. 40, a reparations remedy bill, as a House member, then how can you be the senator for the entire state of Pennsylvania? So we actually have uh, some of our local chapter members in, Pens in Philadelphia going after him with that same message. You cannot represent all of us if you're not willing to uh, support H.R. 40 as a congressional person. Another member... Uh, uh, what's that member's name from Pennsylvania? Uh, Connor Lamb. That's Connor. So, and again, folks, these conversations are important because we know some other folk in Pennsylvania. I mean, they are they're the, the African-American members of the Pennsylvania state legislature the legislative black caucus they need to be see folks this is how this works they need to be engaged that's a phone call that needs to be made today okay go ahead you had another one um we have uh ron Kahn, who's from uh wisconsin he's not running for re-election because he barely won this time and he's concerned that he might not win his re-election so to protect the interests of the party he's not running i actually have folk in Wisconsin to include a couple of radio stations. We've been all over him and we have not been able to move uh, Congressman Ron Kahn. There's no reason for him not to um, go ahead and co-sponsor H.R. 40. And, 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 and sadly, but I'm going to say this, in the words of someone we all know well, what has he got to lose? I mean, he's not even running again. Um, and let's move to Virginia. We have Congresswoman Elaine Loria. In her congressional district in the Virginia Beach area, she has at least 20% of her constituent base are people of African descent. And we all know the story of um, Point Comfort, Fort Comfort, however you want to say it, and the fact that that is the area in which the first 20 Africans who arrived here set foot. There's no reason for her not to come on board as a co-sponsor. 
but she's not a co-sponsor. And again, her name is Congresswoman Elaine Loria, L-U-R-I-A. 20% of her congressional district are people of African descent. And in Virginia, we have Abigail Spanberger. She is a congressional uh, representative in Virginia in the Ashland-Richmond area. Near 16% of her congressional base are people of African descent. No reason for her not to be a, a, a co-sponsor of this, this legislation. But she's not. And again, we've gone after both uh, Congresswoman Loria and uh, Congresswoman Spanberger. We should acknowledge too, Dreesen in Virginia in particular, where there's this, you know, all this postmortem about what happened with Terry McAuliffe. And there have been some, maybe not so outspoken, but some veiled criticism of, of our people. You know, we get blamed when Democrats use as black folk. Well, hell, if you've got that large of black constituents in Virginia, maybe if you had um, endorsed or supported H.R. 40, that would have helped. How can that hurt getting out the black vote? That can only help getting out the black vote. Right. It's, I mean, it's the same situation we were faced in November 2020 ahead of the Senate runoff, where we are still looking at, you know, Senators Warnock and Senator Ossoff to uh, co-sponsor the H.R. 40 companion in the Senate, S-40, um, because, you know, there were communications sent to our advocacy community prior to that election that we cannot consider H.R. 40 right now. We can't even hold a markup in House Judiciary Committee because we are trying to win these seats because they were scared that the right wing would take the messaging of reparations and deter uh, the white moderates from coming out to vote. But had they have, you know, actually supported their Black constituency and the Black voters who they were depending to turn out and sway that election, you might have even had a better turnout and more enthusiasm, especially among Black youth, to participate in those yeah. uh, Georgia elections. And back to that point of, around moderates, um, I, I want to again say how, how much this is based in fallacy to say that they can't advance because of fears of these seats being lost. Um, we have a number of vulnerable Democrats, frontliners, that are actually co-sponsors, co-sponsors of the H.R. 40 bill. Uh, we also have additional people who are yes vote commitments. And so if I'm looking at that list and I'm seeing about 10 of those vulnerable Democrats already supporting H.R. Uh, 40, how can you make this big to do about moderates, especially in places like New Jersey? When I look at Andy Kim's district, when I look at Tom Malinowski's district, um, you know, districts that were flipped from Republican leadership, there is no excuse whatsoever. Katie Porter in California, like these are districts <laughs> that are clearly speaking to reparations, not only being for um, Black people. Um, and the the injured community here, but also for you know treating the impacts of uh, economic damage more broadly 
that has um, wrought impacts on our entire economy, including our GDP. And Katie Porter is a co-sponsor. Correct. Or yes vote. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, folks, there you have it. There you have the argument. Um, um, we've got to get this done. We're going to be looking for your support, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Kenneth, first of all, reparations, Rihanna, let our audience know uh, how they can find out more, where they can go to find out more, and then Cobra's website, if you would. Sure. Uh, it's encobraonline.org. Again, encobraonline.org. All right. And then, uh, Dreesen, you all have social media toolkits at HRW. You have um, um, a letter. People can go to the website and actually sign a letter to House Leadership. Uh, tell our audience how they can do that, please. Absolutely. You can send an email directly to House Leadership uh, at the web address hrw.org backslash reparations now, hrw.org backslash reparations now. We also have a social media toolkit. Um, if you go to the socialpresskit.com backslash reparations now, you'll also be able to automate uh, messages directly to your social media networks because um, we absolutely need it this week and, and weeks to come. Amen. Amen. Folks, um, you've heard today from Reparations Rihanna, Reparations Beyonce. I'm inspired by them. I hope you will be as well. We've got to get this done. And we're using the hashtag HR40 to the floor as well. So uh, use that hashtag, get the word out. We're nine votes away, nine committed yes votes. We've got to bring this pressure on, make this happen. We've never been this close before. We cannot have a conversation, a necessary conversation, about compensation for those immigrants whose families were separated at the border. They, those immigrants should be compensated. I want to be very, very clear about that. Family separation is a terrible thing, but family separation is a vestige of enslavement, and it continues today for African Americans. We have been permanently affected by family separation. H.R. 40 does not place a dollar figure on the history of family separation when it comes to African-Americans. It simply sets up a commission to study what that compensation might be for generations of African-Americans. So there's nothing to fear in that. Uh, when, when Bernie Sanders, as I've said before, was first against, against it, said, Bernie, we need you on the Senate companion for H.R. 40. Mark, I'm not ready for a dollar figure. Well, Bernie, it was not, we had explained to Bernie, it was not a dollar figure. It was a commission. Oh, well, if it's a commission, I can do that. And so that's what we've had to educate people about. That's what we've done. Uh, and frankly, that's the right thing because a lot of, a lot of debate, a lot of suggestions, a lot of ideas, this commission would go into the community, would come amongst us and have these conversations about what forms reparations would take. You know, it's a plural word. We're not fighting for reparation. It's reparations with an S on it. And so some folks say, well, I just want to check. Uh, that may not be the only answer. It may be part of the answer. And in a COVID economy, if all of us got a check, we know where that money would have to go to make up for all the bills we couldn't pay because we couldn't work during COVID. And that's not generational wealth. The homesteaders didn't get a check. 
the GI Bill recipients didn't get a check. The FHA loan people didn't get a check. Why? They got investment in long-term wealth. And the middle class was established in this country. Middle class didn't fall out of the sky. They didn't come from under cabbage patch. They were helped up to get to that place. And we as African-Americans were excluded. That is the purpose of H.R. 40, to look at that and see what can be done to remedy it. Uh, Congressman Clyburn wants to do sort of his own modern day GI Bill. Well, that's fine. That should go into the commission with these other proposals and then it can happen. Um, I want to thank you both for being with us. This is not the last time you'll hear from them. These are my comrades in arms. We could not have this reparations movement uh, without them. I want to be very, very serious about that. I'm not just saying that because they're friends. They're doing very, very important work and they are humble. Um, they think I'm a fool because I give them these names. But they are, they are very humble and they do great work and we're thankful for them. Uh, Kenneth Henry, Reparations Rihanna, and Dreeson Heath, Reparations Beyonce from Encobra and HRW, respectively. Thank you both for joining us during this Reparations Week of Action on Make It Plain. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.